Welcome to the Hump Podcast. It is good to be back. I am with Micah Hescock and Garrett Crawford. And over the past few weeks, we've been going over a series we call, Is That Really a Children's Story? And going through the Bible and breaking down stories that we might have heard in Bible school or in Sunday school growing up and just looking at maybe their deeper meanings uh, and things that we might not have seen uh, while we were in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. So last week, uh, Micah and Garrett did a great job talking about the parable of the prodigal son. I went back and listened to it, and they did awesome. Um, And today, we are going back to the Old Testament, uh, back to the OT, and we are looking at one of my favorite stories, uh, a very interesting story, uh, and that is in Judges, starting in Judges uh, chapter 6, we see the story of Gideon. Now, guys, here's the crazy thing about Gideon. Gideon he was the gets first like, king of Israel. <laughs> Do what? He was the first king of Israel. Was he? <laughs> well, he they wanted the Israelites wanted him to be king. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's kind of the infamous first king of Israel. <laughs> well, here's another cool thing about uh, Gideon is we get a little introduction, uh, and he gets the introduction from the angel of the Lord. And in chapter six, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he calls him a mighty man of. Valor. So, so um, you think about valor, valor. You, I don't know. When I think about valor, I think about the army. I think about. Did y'all ever watch um, the Act of Valor? Did y'all watch that movie? Mm. I know what you're talking about, but Super I've never. Good military I've actually movie. never seen it. Was, it. Yeah, it, awesome. You should go and watch it. Uh, so when I think about valor, I just think about like the courage it takes. Mm. I think that the definition of valor is is courage in the face of danger. Mm. So you know, I think about like the Navy SEALs. Uh, and they're in all those dangerous situations constantly, but they have courage to yeah. continue their mission and things like that. Uh, so we see right off the bat, like the angel of the Lord calls Gideon a man of valor. So right off the bat, you're thinking, dang, Gideon must be this brave, like almost Samson-like character who's super right. strong and confident in himself. And that might be the reader's first assumption but what's crazy is we go on and read. We see that Gideon actually has some, uh, he has some fears and some insecurities uh, within his life. Yeah, um, Gideon's not the bravest dude. Not the bravest. <laughs> at the beginning of the story. <laughs> Uh, and I like, so Garrett may give you a little hit more historical context. I'll tell you what, I'll tell the broad story and you fill in the holes. Does sound good? <laughs> okay. Um, so basically at this at this point in the Israelites, they were being, um, I think, daily um, kind of looted and attacked by some other, I don't know if it the probably Midians. says it. The Midians. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so basically the, the introduction of, of Gideon is he is essentially hiding. Right, like the that's the that's the introduction. He's just hiding in, yeah. in just in fear, and like Christian was saying, that that's when he gets approached and Gideon's like, "Well, me, you know, what are you talking about?" Um, but I, I love, and so that really sets the stage for a, um, a triumphant narrative of Gideon. He, you really see the change in him from the beginning of the story to the end, and it's not because of his strength, but because of the strength that God gives him and. And God telling him, you know, I'm with you, I got you, one and we're going to do this. One of the interesting parts, you talked about Midianites are, um, I guess, oppressing them. It, it's crazy because the book of Judges is this, it's this cycle of, you know, Israel's, the cycle of, uh, <laughs> my voice Massive cracked a little voice bit. crack. <laughs> that was lit. It's not as, I've had worse. <clears throat> um, it, it's this cycle of <laughs> Israel being oppressed 
calling for God, God recovering them, and then Israel being oppressed again. But in between the oppression and the rescuing um, by God, Israel always turns away from God. And so those are kind of the seams of the book of Judges, the years in between one judge to the next, Israel falls away from God in pursuit of Canaan. And so I, I think we ought, a lot of times we read Judges, um, we read Joshua and Judges together, and we kind of think when, when Israel, when Moses was told by God to go into Canaan, we mm. kind of, a lot of times I think we think of Canaan as being a nation of its own. But really, Canaan is more in the terms of how we would say North America. And North America encapsulates um, Canada, America, and Mexico. Or no, Mexico Mexico is not North America, is it? I think it is. I think it is. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was Central. What's Central America? It would be the the Dominican Republic. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but, but that's three different countries and one. There's your geography term. lesson. Today. Yeah. That we think is right. You're welcome. But Ge- Kane, geography uh, teachers, let us know. So uh, <laughs> Joy Shear yeah. history. Uh, I think that kind of is in that same area. <laughs> so, but the thing with Canaan is it was more of a geographical location. There wasn't a Canaan nation or Canaanite nation. There was Canaanite, um, there, there was Canaanite way of life. Um, but there was different nations within the Canaanite realm. So you had the Midianites, the Philistines, um, uh, you, you had um, the Anakites, the Amalekites, like all these different nations that were within the realm of the land of Canaan. But Canaan had their own pantheon of gods, and it's really if you really dive back deeper into it, you see that all these gods, you know, Egypt had their pantheon of gods, Philistia had their pantheon of gods, Midian had their pantheon of gods, but all of their gods were similar. And it was kind of just the culture that, you know, for example, there's this god um, called uh, called Ishtar and in the Canaanite religion. And this god, Ishtar, is the same god Isis in the Egyptian pantheon. It's the same god of, um, there's a Greek god that's that's the same god. They all have the same things, just different names. And so a lot of times we give the Hebrews and the Israelite people flack for, you know, turning away from Yahweh in pursuit of these Canaanite gods. But that was really just, you know, Israel was going against the grain of the rest of the world by not worshiping the Canaanite gods. So that would almost be similar to us saying, you know, I'm going to only listen to, I don't know, this is a real loose illustration, but I'd say it would be similar to saying academia or school tells me I can only listen to science to get my view of creation. I can't listen to scripture and following that. And it would be the same way, similar, of an Israelite saying, I'm just going to you know, follow these Canaanite myths because that's what the rest of the world does. Literally, the rest of the world that Israelite knew followed these Canaanite myths. And so you would see they would get oppressed by these people and then God would rescue them and then the judge that rescued them would die, and they would just kind of fall back into being oppressed again. But the reason was is because they just didn't want to be left out. They wanted to, you know, be a part of the culture around them. They wanted to be similar to them. Wanted but, to be cool kids. Yeah, I mean, essentially. <laughs> and and 
I, I can't help it every time I read Judges or Joshua just get so frustrated with Israel because it's like this God is, Yahweh is rescuing you and yet you keep going back to these you know other mm. gods of, of Canaan. But then I have to remind myself that, that they were really just trying to fit in to other people around them. And how often can we say that? Oh, yeah, I would say I the mean, same thing. <laughs> like, you know, just looking at my own life in different periods of my life where, you know, I started trying to go after what the rest of the world was doing. And, you know, I, I, because I, I thought that the way they were doing things looked good and it seemed better, uh, when in reality it wasn't better or it wasn't satisfying or it didn't last. And, I, yeah, I see that in my own life for sure. Yeah. So I, I think that anything that's in the book of Judges is about Israel trying to wrestle with who they were going to follow yeah. and coming to the realization over and over and over again that the pantheon of gods of the world that surrounded them had no power, but they, they just couldn't get that realization to stick in their minds. Um, and the book of Judges is really a, a sad state of of Israel. I, I think it's one of the... It, it was kind of like the middle school years of Israel, you know, where you're really struggling with who you're trying to become. I'm glad I don't really have a lot of memories of, like, before I was, like, 22... Because I'm sure what? middle school, yeah, bro. Chill. In middle school, uh, I tell people middle that school would. would I, great I, I think I had some. <laughs> so I probably would have some really bad memories. I was someone talking about freshmen the other day. Yeah. Because our freshmen here at Russ County uh, started going back for their orientation and sixth graders went back for orientation yesterday and today. Today was the back half of the students. Yesterday was the front, the first half, as far as I'm saying, back and front, as in alf- alphabetized. The oh, not the A through L. Not the better students. Yeah, better. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have been today. So I always uh, say that middle schoolers take a sabbatical from being human. for three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good three years. <laughs> so they're talking about the freshmen, and we we're you know, we we're just talking about the the nature of a freshman. They're, you know, you're in a new school. You're the you're the bottom of the totem pole. It's there's some fear. You don't want to stand out. You almost feel like you just want to blend in. And I kind of joked, but I was also serious. Like I don't remember my freshman year of high school at all. Like at all. Oh man. I don't like remember. I could probably pick out a teacher. I, I do know one teacher because it's my brother-in-law's mother, and she was the bomb. My but, freshman year was brutal because I, yeah. I played like varsity sports. Oh yeah, but none oh of yeah, the cool, 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 cool. Yeah, uh, weird flex. Yeah, oh, weird, weird flex. But okay. <laughs> not until not. It's I not still played middle f- school ball. When you hear what year. I'm about to say, you're, you're going to know I'm not flexing <laughs> because what I'm saying is that because I was the bottom of the totem pole, all the upper class made fun of me, and I didn't cuss. Like I, I refused to cuss and I didn't party or anything. So they called me princess. <laughs> I was my, my name was Princess, and one Ouch. time at basketball practice, I missed a shot or something, and instead of like dropping a cuss word, I said poop, and so then they call, started calling me Princess Poop, Princess <laughs> wow. Poo Poo. I got the nickname Noodles my sophomore year because I dipped and threw up noodles everywhere. So <laughs> yeah. I did not want to know that. Why? No, that's cool, bro. It's well, cool. If, if you're listening, you guys we'll, want to know that at home. So now let's get back to Gideon. <laughs> yeah, uh, just a real quick plug: we're selling Princess Poop T-shirts next bro. week, <laughs> dude. Just if we ever do, ordering with us. if we ever do merch. Uh, Princess Poop's got to be on Have a there. picture of Zelda will, holding like the poop emoji. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> no, no, Princess Peach. Could we get that copyrighted? <laughs> Princess Peach like, holding I mean, the we, poop emoji. Can we break the copyright is what I mean. Like, Can we do that without getting People copyright infringement? 
We're probably not that big, are we? <laughs> probably no, don't. Not many people. People not even know. Not like that many t-shirts. listen to us, right? Like, we're not probably in like I don't the know. Millions. That's how you get big because you have one kid start wearing it at school and like, oh, that's a cool t shirt. What's that mean? And Dude, I would like, totally wear one. I think I might get one made. <laughs> right, just I'm going to look myself. into getting one made. I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to be so mad if my freshman year nickname becomes live producing. Hey, you're the one that said it. He did it to himself. So, live producing, on air producing here. Um, we could do. Remember, we talked about doing car- character like caricatures, caricatures of us yeah. making us into animated characters. Is our picture? We could just put like Princess Peach's face on Garrett. <laughs> we should, bro. That would be oh lit. All right, gosh. so let's get back to Gideon. Right, but so, yeah, but think about that, <laughs> listeners, in the back of your mind. Let us know what you think. Let us know what size you want. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> send so, your sizes to uh, <laughs> Christian at gmail I don't think that's your actual email, but all right. So we find Gideon. He is. Um, as part of the great transition, yeah, great transition. <laughs> Thanks, uh, we'll we're all over the place today. <laughs> so, we're Gideon, they are being oppressed. These are likes being oppressed by the Midianites, as we said. And what's crazy is that, um, as I'd mentioned, that, that uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon uh, and called him Almighty uh, Man of Valor. And Gideon's immediate response is he begins to question God. In verse 13, uh, Gideon says, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us. Why then has all this happened to us? And, you know, hmm. uh, guys, I, th- I think y'all have probably been in this situation, especially just making it through freshman year of college and high school. Uh, when things go bad, I think we begin to question God immediately. I think it's just like a reaction. Uh, and I've seen that uh, in people's lives and in my own life. It's like as soon as just one bad thing happens, uh, we begin to question God. Like, God, how did you allow yeah. this to happen? And I it wasn't because we have an if-then faith. A lot of us. Yeah. Uh, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. But God, if you don't do this, then I won't do this. Yeah. Uh, and looking at actually working through a study with some students on Daniel. And yesterday we just looked at chapter three and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right before they get thrown into. Uh, just for clarification, a bed go. not a bendigo. Just for all you at home, the the D comes first in his name so yeah so um (laughs) but the king basically says i'm gonna throw you in the fire and if you don't bow down to my statue and they're like that's fine we're not gonna bow down to anyone except god and and they basically say we trust that god will save us from the fire but even if he doesn't we will still not bow down to your gods we still trust in our god and having that faith of of even if rather than if then. You know, even if something goes wrong in my life, I'm still going to trust God, not if everything goes well, then I'll continue to follow God. What I find so interesting about it is how quickly Israel not only lost trust in God, but then moved on to the next thing. You know, I'd said before that the Canaanite kind of philosophy and religion just really permeated that location of, of the ancient Near East where Israel was. But as soon as, like... They started facing oppression from Midian um, or from these other people around them. I mean, look what happens. Uh, Gideon keeps going on with this conversation with the angel of the Lord. And um, eventually he kind of says, you know, he, he it says in verse 22, when Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord's face, of the angel of the Lord face to face. Um, and, and they have this conversation. And then in verse 25, it says, That same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it, and then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. The point of that is, 
Gideon's father, who was an Israelite, had just as soon as they had been oppressed by Midian, or probably before that, had turned from God and was worshiping Baal yeah. and, and Asherah, these pantheon, these Canaanite gods of, of another of, of their pantheon, and had completely moved on from Yahweh, so much so that Gideon didn't even recognize, didn't understand that this was an angel of the Lord appearing to him, as we see with the fleece stuff, um, which I guess we'll probably talk about in a second, but... It's it's just crazy to me how quickly yeah. it is for us when things aren't going your way, like you said, Christian, to not just kind of get disheartened, but to move on and to kind of throw away what we've built our uh, built our faith yeah. on. And and after that little uh, event that you're talking about, he goes on to say in the next few verses, it says that Gideon takes some men, and but because of his fear of his people and the response. He goes and he does it at night. He cuts it down at night because of yeah. the fear uh, that he has that he's going to be seen doing it. Mm. And so it happens. The next morning comes. The people go and they see that it's been cut down. And they basically, it says they figure out who did it. And it was Gideon. And so they yell at Joash, Gideon's father. And they're like, hey, uh, send your son out. He must die because he cut down the Asherah pole and um, the Baal, and Baal's altar. But here's Joash's response. So, so it's kind of cool. You see, you almost see like a a turn for, for, and it's not so much like a turn back to God, but it's like a turn to like reality for Joash. Uh, in verse 31, he says, and, and following, but Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his own altar. So that day they called Gideon Jerub Baal, saying, let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. So it's not so much Joash's like returning to faith in God necessarily, but it's almost like he's like, well, wait a minute. If, if this real, guy's real, yeah. he can defend himself. I don't. We don't have to do it. You know, you're not going to kill my son for for doing something that a god can defend himself. Which, which then ties into the big battle with the Midianites. Yep. Because what we end up seeing is, you know, the Midianites are basically they represent Baal, mm-hmm. and the Israelites represent God. Even though really they're not really kind, worshiping kind of. Yahweh, kind, they're just kind, kind of. of supposed to be representing Yahweh. Um, and Yahweh goes to great lengths to make sure that everyone understood that the Israelites didn't defeat the Midianites. Yeah, Yahweh defeated the 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 Israelites um, without even having to strike a blow. Can we just think about how fun it is to say Midianites? Midianites. Is it just me? Uh, Midianites. I don't have as much fun with it as you do. I think. Yeah, but you say it like really Midianites. You can say Midianites. it like really fast and it flows, or you can be real slow. <laughs> Midianites. I like Nebuchadnezzar. Do words ever? Um, yeah, that's a good one. Do words ever? Uh, when you say them a lot, just like you're like, is that really a word? Like, have you ever yeah. done that with a word? Yeah. Yeah. There's Lots there's words time. that I read that I'm like, there's no way yeah, that's type right. It doesn't look right. You're like, yeah, ah, I don't I know. Right. Yesterday yeah. I was saying one and I said it like five times. And like I was referring to whatever, I can't remember what it was. I said it like five times and I was like, is that really a word? I'm like, I feel like that's not a word. Like in my mind, it becomes scrambled. Anyway, let's get back to Gideon. Oh yeah, so <laughs> as Joash was, you know, it's kind of cool. Mike had pointed out that that he's like, okay, if 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 somebody tore it down, Baal can, he can defend himself. Mm-hmm. This is what we see. You know, he, he gives this that Baal could defend himself. We actually see God defending himself. Uh, in the story mm, as yeah. well, because yeah. Gideon asked the question. He says, "All right, God, like, where are you?" We asked, you know, he's questioning God, and you know, guys, I think it's it is okay to question God. Oh, we yeah, um, we skipped over that. That's a good part with the fleece. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I had mentioned the it. fleece of just you know he's when Gideon was questioning God, 
and I guess all throughout the story we can say this, but as he's questioning God in the end of the story, as we'll get to, we're going to see God defend himself when Baal could. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, Joash kind of is the thesis for, his statement is the thesis for the entire story of Gideon. It's, yeah, it's sure. you know, if Baal's real, he'll defend himself because we know Yahweh's real because he defends himself. You know, that that statement that Joash makes is, is the thesis of the entire theology uh, or theological push of the Gideon account. Um, that God, we know He's there. We know Yahweh's there because we see that He's there. He defends His "I am." Baal can't defend that because Baal isn't that, yeah. um, as well as any other god within and the if Canaanite. You had, if you've had questions with your faith, or you know, if you even felt like you've been attacked, maybe you have friends that uh, have attacked your faith, and you feel like they're putting God to the test. I want you to know that God has no pressure. From these attacks, these attacks don't mm. phase him. They mm-hmm. don't. They don't scare him. They might scare us, but but God can defend Himself, and I, I think that's what we want to see. That's actually that's what we will see at the end of this story. Of God defends, uh, and as Garrett was talking about, it's Yahweh who wins the battle. And, and I think God would much rather in an awesome see way. Him, by the way, awesome. we're yeah. gonna get there in yeah. a really <laughs> yeah, it's a, in it's a cool. really awesome it's really innovative. <laughs> but I, I, I think God would much rather us seek Him out mm-hmm. and and say, "I God, I, I kind of I'm struggling with this. I need some assurances." Then I say, "Man, I'm struggling with this. I'm moving on." Yeah, he would oh, much sure. rather us seek out an answer to I, our struggles I've always told and, students, and search for him than I've always told students doubt is healthy. Oh in, yeah, in absolutely. A, in, a, in a and like you said, in, in a an earnest, sense. in a really seeking and searching sense, doubt is extremely healthy there, um, because you're actually you're like Garrett said you're you're actually seeking truth. You're not just saying I've got a problem with this. Like Garrett said, uh, I'm moving on. Let's find something else that works for me. Uh, you're saying I really don't understand this, God. And I don't know if I'm going to or, you know, but but will you help me understand it? I think, and like you said, I, I agree with you, Gary. I think God would much rather us doubt than to, I, would, I think God would much rather us doubt than just mm-hmm. follow like a sheep and just be like, there, there's yeah, a, okay, I'll just. There, there's a church father named Origen. He was. Um, Ed Orgeron? I think he's a coach of the LSU. Oh, my God. See, back in the day, you didn't have a first and last name. You were just uh, one name, Origen. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's, but anyway, he was he was a sounds, um, like, a, sounds like a villain on a superhero. <laughs> he was a, a bishop of the church in the two hundreds, AD two hundreds, and his stance, ago. yeah, real long time ago. His stance on faith is that not necessarily the more intellectual you go, but the more you study it, the deeper it is. Mm. And so there's some people that are say, you know, faith is is what you believe without without substance you know faith is is just belief without corroboration yeah but to origin it was you no know, faith is searching yeah. faith is growing and understanding and committing to what you want to search and grow and understand in mm-hmm. and and i think yeah. you know that that's an attribute that we that we've i think there's a, a lot of times in the church we say that if you are qu- questioning your faith. If you're trying to corroborate your faith, then you don't really have faith. Mm. But I think what we need to start realizing is that corroborating and searching and studying is an attribute of growing in faith. Yeah. And when you do that, your faith will deepen and, and you'll you'll become more 
you'll become stronger. And it's because God can defend himself. You know, I think it's yeah. in, um, and you guys can help me. I, I've heard this before. I'd have to do more reading on it. I, I don't know how to research. Read, so I probably know help. <laughs> I haven't researched uh, Islam a lot, but isn't it in Islam that you're not allowed to uh, criticize the Quran? Have y'all heard that before? I think you're right. Okay, and if not... Uh, that, I don't know a lot that. about Islam, though, but, so but, I'm not... Yeah, like, I have no comment. It's like they don't want to criticize it. Christian, I think uh, you need to bring your mic closer to your mouth because it's not... I'm looking at that side thing. Oh, is it picking up now? Yeah, you're good. Oh, good. Yeah. So, so I, I'm thinking with... That, like, you know, they don't want them to criticize their God, and it could be wrong, but I feel like I've heard that before. But in Christianity, like, as Garrett was saying... It is healthy uh, when we do begin to arise mm-hmm. and search for these questions. Uh, not a total that oh, I just doubt in God, and I just bring up all these arguments just to just to show that I doubt Him, but actually showing that we are seeking after Him. You know, I think yeah. about in the New Testament, everybody gives slack to doubting Thomas, uh, but I think Thomas was really searching to see if he truly was yeah. who he said he was. Yeah, Thomas takes th- Thomas takes a lot of slack because you know Jesus says. Blessed are those who believe and haven't seen, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a lot different because you know Thomas lived in the era of Christ, yeah. like he lived side by side with Christ. He, you know, was brothers with the other disciples essentially, and he didn't believe them until he saw Jesus. And so that's kind of a different situation than it is for us in the sense that none of us have seen Christ, so yeah. so we can't really. Um, corroborate that in the same way that Thomas could, but by searching more deeply in our faith, we grow in it. I had a, a professor, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not, but I've used it in different illustrations and lessons and sermons. Um, I had a professor named um, Dr. Carlos Gupton. Uh, oh, Gup, Man, the Gup do you, Meister. Do you remember him? Yeah, he was a baller. Yeah, he was he my was, gospels teacher. That's who I had gospels narratives. But then he year. went online after that. Mm-hmm. He was my. So we were the last first, ones to have him. He was the first professor, college professor. I. He was one of my first professors um, in my freshman semester. He was the him. goat. Yeah, he was awesome. He was a genius. I should meet him. Someday. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His first name, I believe, was Carlos. Carlos, wasn't it? L U S. I don't I have no idea. Um, anyway, I just, continue. Yeah, but. He said something profound the very first week of class, and you know you're going to Bible college. You're excited. Um, you're you're thinking, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to deepen my faith. I'm going to to be on fire. I'm going to grow. And very first thing he um, he said to a classroom full of freshmen was, "While you are here, you will question what you believe." While you're here, you're going to study your faith, you're going to study scripture, you're going to be super saturated in it, and at some point or another, you're going to question whether what you believe is true. And he said, first thing he said was, that is fine. He said, don't feel like something's wrong because you're questioning it, but don't give up because in those questions, when you come through it, you're going to be a stronger and a, a, a... your, your faith is going to be built on more of a firm foundation and you're going to be more steadfast in what you what you believe. And boy, he was right. Because I mean, like a year later, I was That's like crazy. having existential yeah. faith well, crisis. It's crazy you say that. Like I'm the same way. My junior year of college where I would thought, you know, like my freshman year, sophomore year, I'm like learning and I had some struggles and stuff. But my junior year, like I thought my faith was higher than it had ever mm-hmm. been before. And I was really dedicated and, and passionate about 
uh, Christ, but it was in that junior year that that I hit the lowest point in my life. Yeah. And I grew up in the church, so I've never doubted God. I got saved at a super young age. I've always put my trust in Jesus Christ, like since I can remember. But it was my junior year, the first time I ever remember questioning God. Mm. And I was honestly, I was scared to death for a little bit. Um, but it was in that moment of me questioning God that I began to like seek out answers. Yeah. Uh, almost like, have you guys uh, read um, Lee Strobel's book? Uh, Case for Christ. Case for Case Christ. For Christ. Oh, you know, like he was an atheist, <laughs> but, but he begins to seek out questions mm-hmm. and, yeah. and begins to seek, and he does extensive research. I didn't do quite extensive with him, but. Uh, <laughs> didn't he like, didn't he like I didn't travel, travel, travel the world? Yeah, he traveled the world. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've just, never uh, done that I stayed at all. in my dorm room. Uh, I traveled the internet. (laughs) Yeah, I tried in in the internet and in through reading God's word, you know, I was able to find my answers. uh, And and most of those answers came through like the the peace of God coming within my life. And it's Mm -hmm. important that we don't search on our own through Mm -hmm. our own capabilities. But like in that searching, when we're saying, you know, I'm struggling for questions, God, I'm kind of in doubt. We take those to him first and we say, God, I need, I need some strength from you. I need some guidance from you. I need some wisdom from you. And we allow him to kind of, yeah, steer the searching, um, but yeah, that, there's there's a lot that happens there, and and that first part of Gideon's um, when he starts to come to know God, and there's there's a lot on Gideon. Gideon has more chapters dedicated to him than really any of the other judges. Other, yeah. I think Samson. Samson, Samson like I think three, has more. They? Yeah, other uh, than Gideon's Samson, I think six through. Um, Six oh, or yeah, eight, right? Yeah, you're right. Six or eight. Yeah. So, so, so he has a lot dedicated to him, but I, really, I the bulk got, of it comes in chapter seven. I know um, he's got more than Othniel. <laughs> Othniel has like three verses. <laughs> was he? He's the left-handed judge, right? Has Ehud? Oh, Ehud, yeah, Ehud. Ehud, with, Ehud, so with, Ehud is like half through the chapter. fat, yeah, and, and the sword absorbed the into went him. through the. Uh, yeah, let's see. Samson is 13, 14, 15, 16. So, yeah. four to. Three. I don't know. Anyway, but the meat of so anyway, there's Gideon a lot, a lot that happens in Gideon's in leading up with the fleece, um, where you know he doubts that it's actually the Lord. And he asks for signs, and, and then he asks for the opposite. What was it? The grass <laughs> is wet, but the fleece isn't. Yeah. And then yeah, the next do night, a big sermon series on Gideon for probably a year. Uh, <laughs> I bet he could. I think he could. I mean, just there's a lot in. I there. could probably there's do a, a forty minute on. podcast on it. <laughs> And sharing that with two other people, <laughs> I think I could probably do that. We're, see, we're, 30, we're at thirty we're about, minutes we're about, right now. Yeah, we're about twenty nine. Well, we've also gone in. off. We've kind of gone off the rails a couple of times. Hey, already. we never hey, go. It's still the same the podcast. Yeah, it still counts. Okay. We got ten, we got nine more minutes to get there, and I'll and I'll uh, have accomplished my goal for the year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to get. I don't want to miss out on the. The, the good stuff. Let's just go to let's go to the So good let's part. jump into the good stuff. You want right? to go to the lapping with the water? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying like the the battle. Yeah. Okay. Like what he actually fleece, did. Fleece part yeah, is awesome no, but cool go check that well, out. Well, we kind of we kind six. of addressed the fleece yeah. part by with, addressing Joe Ash's statement. Yeah. You got that. But anyway, at the end of that, he just says God make what is it fleece wet and not the grass yeah. and then the next night's opposite and God yeah. does both of those. So um pretty impactful point, but um so they get up. Let's see. I'm kind of skimming through here. They had 22. Well, sorry. That was after they cut down some. The Lord Gideon said to Gideon in chapter 7, verse 2, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that their own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. Can you imagine So you got 20? an army of 32,000. <laughs> and you're, and like, you're this man, guy. I'm feeling good. You're this guy that like, 
a couple weeks earlier didn't even or it was doubting if it was god that you i was were, talking yeah, to and were, now you're standing on a mountain watching twenty two thousand. threshing you're on the threshing floor <laughs> hiding walking away i imagine have y'all seen braveheart Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, what? Just giving that awesome yeah. speech. Can you imagine oh. like him giving that speech and he's and like, like, "Who's scared?" And like twenty. <laughs> they all just, just leave. leave. Half the, three, sixty-six percent of the army is like, "All right, see ya." You know, I'm not allowed to probably be in that percentage. I'm probably be like, "Deuces." I'm gonna go out. check on my mom. Like, I think I got mail. So yeah, uh, I got an email. I got to check. So, um, so I but go you see, see if my fleece is wet. Yeah, gotta check my fleece. <laughs> so you see, two thirds of the army immediately leave. And it was super fast. Who's scared? Me, 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 me. And they all leave. Right, ten thousand left. Uh, and by the way, me, do, me, me, do me, we? Me. Does it, Garrett? Do, does it say anywhere the size of the Midianite army? It's huge. I want to say hundred thousand, but I feel like that's way too uh, many. I'm not. I'm not it, sure. It's I'm probably not. way too many. But anyway, it's a huge it army. Been Even to the thirty-two thousand, it was a massive army. So they're down to ten thousand. Verse four. Lord said again, "There are still too many," ten, which makes me wonder. Did should there have been more that would have been scared? Maybe there were some that were actually scared in the 10,000 that, that were like, no, I'll stay. I don't want to be embarrassed. You know, They're too scared to leave. They were too scared to say they were scared. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lord said again, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. If this one, if I say this one to go, that one will go, etc. So verse 5. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him. I always have to read this really carefully because yeah. I, f- I get confused. You should try reading it in the Hebrew. The Hebrew is, you can't <laughs> even understand I I what's getting said. I don't know how to read English. so <laughs> Not a chance for Hebrew for me. Yeah, <laughs> Separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouth. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. So so is that saying the 300 used their hands to like scoop the water and drink it out of their hands yeah. and the others just put their face in the water? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And lapped it with their tongues. Yeah. 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 That wouldn't, I mean, it just doesn't, why, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was a no-brainer to use your hands, right? So like, I've done that. You ever done that in a, like yeah. a creek? You I know, would you not, just yeah, I, just, I don't think I would go head first in. That's what I'm saying. To a creek or... Whatever. And then, like, it splashes and, like, yeah. it gets in your nose. And at least you're, I like, can filter it. Like, if I get a little dirt or bug, I can filter it out through my face. And, yeah, it's, it's so weird that protein. the majority were the ones that got down and drank out of yeah. it. There was, uh, there was uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was someone that um, wrote a commentary on this passage and said the reason God took the 300 men is because they were better warriors because they reached down and looked up to their surroundings while they were drinking because mm. they brought their hands to their face. Yeah. And Something tells me hands. they were not that good of warriors <laughs> yeah. that they thought that through. I'm just looking at the history of the yeah. Israelites. I, I, I actually heard Yeah, I, I read that and I was like, that's bogus. Yeah. Uh, I, feel I, like, I've heard, I actually heard Adrian Rogers this week on, I was listening to a sermon about Gideon. Doesn't he, isn't he quarterback for the Packers? <laughs> oh, Adrian <laughs> Rogers. Yeah. Oh, I got um, Yo, Adrian. Yeah. It's a lot of football He talked about them being today. cautious. That they were looking at the yeah. enemy. Here's the my lap. thing. I don't think. Here's my thing. Why would God, if God's cutting down the army of thirty-two thousand to three hundred, why would He want good warriors? Well, yeah, I don't think he wouldn't. Would he? No. I mean, God would want the no, dummies. He, yeah, exactly. He I think wanting. they were dumb. <laughs> that's my theory. Is like, but so that, to us, that, that takes natural. out your reasoning for saying that you would have rather used well, your hands. I never to said lap. I was smart. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is just. But admitted. my thing, I think that's probably maybe how. Like, if they went to a creek, they a lot of them did drink. And, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know how they drank water out of the, the river, but <laughs> my guess is, them all. yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> smashing their face. <laughs> my guess is they were dumb, and God was like, "I'll take those people because now you'll be able to see my true power that you won with 
non-warriors. Yeah, either way, the point is it, it went matter. from 10,000 to 300. It went from 32,000. It went from 32,000. It went from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300, which, yeah. by the way, how weird of 300 is that? Because that's a massive percentage I that drank see. with their hands. You know, like it didn't drop, you know, or that 66%. Didn't drink with their hands. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's a massive percentage. You know, yeah. Check out that math voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it's like uh, 97%. Whoa. Wow. Right? So this is like the, the, do the, math the 300 out. Spartans before yeah. the 300 Spartans. Before so they was, were yeah, it was a, that movie made after this or was it made after <laughs> another event? <laughs> I think the event was... <laughs> nah, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to try to come up with something. So the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let the other men go each to his own place. So what if you're those 9,700? You're probably mad. Right, because they stayed. In in theory, they they weren't scared because they stayed when God said, "If you're scared, go home." So now, ninety seven hundred people were like, "Dude, you're sitting us home because you drank water the wrong way." I would imagine there's probably some some anger at Gideon, <laughs> and Gideon's probably like, I can imagine him like standing up on the podium to tell everybody. But think about the level like, kind of, of faith at this point. Yes, that Ga- the, Gideon was probably raised worshiping Baal and Asherah, and then kind of throwing Yahweh into the mix, and now he's saying. Yeah, I'll take 300 men into a battle against a Midian art, Midianite army that's oh, had oppressing everyone. Insane. Yeah, well, but what amazes me is how quickly he was able to switch from saying, I'm worshiping Baal and Asherah and all these other Canaanite deities to saying, you know, I'm trusting Yahweh to pull me, pull us out of this with 300 people. I mean, that's just a, such a huge switch of a dynamic of faith. Um but he takes 300 people into battle, and, and the way that God resolves this battle clearly shows that it was by his hands that Israel won and not by Midian's, um, yeah. because they don't even lift up a sword. <laughs> so so then, yeah, so then it's night. God wakes Gideon up and says, now's the time. They're down in the valley. The camp of Midian's down in the valley. They're sleeping. They're sleep. He said, go down. Now is the time. I will deliver them into your hands. Um, so... They go down, and Gideon tells his peeps, his 300, um, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow your trumpets and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And so Gideon and the 100 men with him uh, reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. Now we're going to pause there. Every time I read that, I think, For Narnia and for Aslan. (laughs) Maybe that's probably where it came from. Because C.S. Lewis, you know. Maybe. Who knows? Um... (laughs) But so I, I if you get to think, this point in the story, but you you got to think this is in a there this this entire field of battle is a valley, mm-hmm. and so you have all these mountains, and yep. they're on top of these mountains. It would have been loud. Three hundred trumpets yeah. going down into a valley Echo. is loud. Yeah, yeah. echoing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here and in the middle of the night, waking you up. I mean, yeah. imagine you know whenever like you hear something fall in your house and you like scramble to put on pants because you hear just one little noise. Imagine being asleep and hearing just like the sound of an earthquake yeah. or a, or a, a tornado. So getting to this point of the story, uh, it always kind of fascinates me. And whenever I've taught children, I kind of say like, what do you think happens next? Because it's kind of unpredictable, 
right? You're like... It is, yeah. You just kind of imagine, like, they're going to go down, they're going to be confused, and the 300 are just going to swarm in and kill them all. So let's read on. <laughs> well, hold on. I just want to put this picture in the viewers. Love the pictures. Uh, head. So you say trumpets. Mm. Now, I like to think of this as I'm a big Marvel fan. Uh, and in uh, one of the Marvel movies, actually they might put it in two of them, uh, it was the last Thor movie. What was it called? Um, heck, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok, yes. So in Ragnarok, uh, that's a good map in Halo. That led <laughs> that Led Zeppelin song, the immigrant song. You know where it goes? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, good. I just picture yeah, that, that was, was the tune of the I trumpet. Should I plug that in real quick? <laughs> I think you were on key. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I think he just blew that. <laughs> I might have that's, to put in a, a listeners uh, with with headphones uh, mm. turned down for <laughs> yeah, this oh, part. Yes. I should have gave y'all a warning before that. <laughs> Head, headphone <laughs> listeners, beware. Um, so, but yeah, <laughs> no, I think, carry on. I think that, you're right. I think that's, that's what, what I pictured the, yeah. the trumpet and, like, sounding the entire, like. like oh, that was, no, but you think that about was, like, it too, like everything. Um, <laughs> Can you keep going? Can you just keep <laughs> singing for everything? After, after. Think about it. Like it's echoing. So the entire time they're running down into it's bouncing and it's just going. It's like it's like there's a soundtrack to the battle. Yeah. So here's my, fa- but they keep hearing it because it's yeah. echoing. So here's my favorite part. The 300 trumpets sounded very loudly. The Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Yeah. So they so, get down there and they're all dead. Yeah. They so kill like, each other. And so, but then they ultimately, a lot of, some of them flee and they chase them down and kill them. And there's some, that's kind of the end. I mean, there's some, there's some uh, leader killings. Uh, there's symbolic of where they're killed and those kind of things. But, um, yeah, you literally see, and but what I wonder is it says the Lord caused them to do this. So they would have been sleeping, right? They would have woken up in the garments that they sleep in, which would have been different from their wear day to day. Now, in a battle, you would have had some sort of um, way, identification of what side you're on, right? You think about just a hand-to-hand combat battle, there would have been a lot of people fighting. So you would have had to have some sort of symbolic... Um, colors or whatever that kind of showed what side you were on, right? I mean, just thinking like out of a battle. So maybe they had none of those on, right? And so maybe th- some of them thought, because I've always thought of this as like they just went crazy and started killing each other because the noise is so loud, which is, could be, I mean, it's not that it's not true. I mean, that could be true. I think some of it was they thought the people down in, you know, it's chaos. I think they thought some of the people that they were killing were from. The Israelites, like they may not have rec- they're like so realized, they're just yeah, swords yeah, everywhere. and and I think there was a, a really obviously a sense of chaos. It's yeah. jars are breaking, the, there's trumpets, people are shouting, and and they're in this bowl, like Garrett was saying, it's all echoing, and so they're just like I just imagine like closing their eyes and covering their ears and just swinging their swords around and killing each other. Um, but I think part of it was that the part at night they they may not have been wearing any of their identifying garments or the 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 banners or whatever you know i don't i don't know that to be true but and maybe it was they just went nuts and started killing each other because they didn't know what else to do um but it's interesting it's a really cool way that god showed them uh you know the the battle was won before gideon and them ever picked up a sword i mean really they just kind of finished the battle out you know and just killed the last few people but and it just shows like you know when god at the it, it, it encapsulates this entire story of gideon that God doesn't need someone to prove that he's there for him. You know, Baal and any other deity or any other thing that we place our faith in requires us Mm. to give it value. You know, um, 
the 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 American dollar, our currency, has value intrinsically, meaning we are the ones that give it in value. Right. We it's not backed by gold or silver or, or you know a national treasury that has all of these things. It's backed by you know how our economy goes, how much essentially trust we put into that. God, on the other hand, doesn't need us to exist. He presupposes um, our faith, and and you know he vindicates himself. And we see that clearly through the account of Gideon, that Baal and any, any other Canaanite deity, anything that you can place your faith in, faith in, requires that to exist. God doesn't. God pre-exists anything that we can set on. And God was going to accomplish the work that he had started in Gideon. As we go back to when we first started, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and calls him a man of valor, and which is kind of like... A man of valor, this guy, we see he's scared to death. We see yeah. he questions God. We see he has an excuse uh, or he has these excuses that he can't do it, but it's still that God used him. And it's what, what, what God had, had promised in him and purposed in him. Um, he completed. Uh, God completed it, and he was able to do it, and he was able to finish it. And I think I think about, uh, you know, Paul. I have it here on my uh, computer. I pulled up 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and, and Paul says, he says, my... He said, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this mm. is God talking that that his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And we don't have to put on a, a facade or we don't have to put on something that shows that, oh, we're just so big and bad and we're strong. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us to have courage. Uh, but, you know, I think even in that courage, we need to rely on the Lord. Uh, and, and though Gideon was scared uh, and, and he was afraid, uh, and he didn't want to do it, he still went through with it. Mm-hmm. And he still, even though he questioned God and he asked him to do all these things, you know, with the fleece and these different tests, he still had faith in God. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was not as strong as, you know, we might suspect it to be. Right. Uh, but it's still, he still had faith and God worked in his weakness. Uh, and, and just to prove that it was, as Garrett said earlier, it was Yahweh, it was God that won the battle. Uh, it wasn't the Israelites that did it. God worked through them, but it was ultimately him that accomplished mm. it. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's, I'd say the lesson through Gideon is that we learned that there's nothing that we can place our trust in that deserves our trust because everything we place our trust in other than God requires our trust to have its own existence. Mm. It, it requires us to give it you know, value. Yeah. God's value is based off of his own self based off his own value and he you know determines who he is there's nothing that he requires from us so our and and make sure if you're ever um asked to drink water out of a creek make sure you cup your hands and drink out of it that way because clearly that's the right way which uh i guess that kind of brings us our hunt moment and we're going to talk about um carbonation and before i i before we talk about what we were going to say um is there anyone listening that that can't drink carbonation? And I I, I asked that. You know, I don't expect a response. That'd be Basically weird saying, if someone can, can you drink a Coca Cola or not without spitting or it a out. Sprite. I can't. Or a, I say that because I Garrett cannot. Yeah. I, I have, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've happen. never swallowed a carbonated drink. So you've never. So I've never had a soda. Garrett has I've never, never had a soda. Had and, a and, soda. And, and 
I looked it up, and that's a thing. There, yeah. it, it's um, it's I've, called. I've heard of that before. It's the trigeminal nerve or the cranial nerve V. It's it's a nerve that is used for swallowing. And so you don't have it. No, it, if well, my nerve endings are more sense sensitive, and because they're more sensitive, it makes it difficult for me to swallow carbonation so because s- carbonation like. Um, triggers it more. So yeah. is there certain foods you can't swallow that you've noticed? Like, no, I not know, foods. It, it kind of blows my mind that like carbonation, but like, I don't know. You can but swallow a hamburger. See what, what I'm, I'm, I love what I'm reading right now is rather than it says, <clears throat> um, I don't know what this exactly means, but it says rather than acting as a nectar thick liquid, I guess a liquid that kind of moves around the nerves, the carbonated beverage actually increases the sensory stimula, uh, stimulation um, for the swallow. So it makes it, it, you like feel it more when you swallow it. And I guess I'm just more sensitive to it. And I, nice. when did you find this it. out for the first, the first time, time you tried pop, I guess. I, I think I was like five. I, when I went home for my sister's wedding this past week, my, my mom was talking about this and she said when I was three years old, my pap tried to get me, and I don't remember this, but she said my grandfather tried to get me to drink diet Pepsi and I couldn't do it. So I guess then, that First time crazy. I remember it, I can remember being well, on the Well, in theory, porch. you would have been born with it, but yeah. I mean, I don't think you drank much carbonation before No, you. when I was, I can remember, the first time I remember this, I don't know how old I was, but I can vividly remember being on the porch of my house and trying it and spitting it all over, and I can't remember who it was. I can vividly me, remember us at a, uh, I think it was an Arby's. And Garrett accidentally drank some yeah, else's this is pop after a baseball and just game. spewed it everywhere. Oh well, no, they switched it out. Now one time, because okay, no one believed have, me, and they, they, they swapped my drinks, and I didn't know. So one I time took a big you did do an of it, and it went all over the person's oh face that God. swapped them out. One yeah. time you did it on accident, so maybe. that must have happened twice. I do remember one time, like you just gra- it. Someone put maybe one we there. We should post a video soon. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out how to do it. Maybe we can do it live on the podcast. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll get us water and put Sprite in it. Just like let us sit there. Yeah, I like it. It's bad. It's bad. But that, so I never knew it was a thing until I just looked it up. But it's, I guess, the trigeminal nerve or cranial Mm. nerve V. Is, yeah, true. I guess uh, we were going to relate that to the yeah. story of Gideon. Yeah, but, you but know, there wasn't really any way. Somehow, with it was like four steps, the water. and we're just like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just talk about the yeah. the nerve. So that's the, the cranial nerve. ending. Um, yeah. But the big thing we want you to take away from the story of Gideon is is um, trusting in God's intrinsic in value that is His. You know, yeah. He is who He is because He is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there's He doesn't have to prove anything, but when we seek him, he's going to show us um, who he is. Um, and he doesn't have to have someone fight for him because yeah. he fights for himself. Rely on the strength of the Lord. Yep. Yep. So thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, I think 21. It's pretty wild. Yeah. 20, um, make sure you uh, follow. Or yes, make sure you subscribe. Keep listening. Let your friends know. Give us a rating. Share it. You can share it on Facebook or whatever avenue. Um, we place. would... Yeah, we would love to uh, to be of help for anyone maybe struggling or, or just wanting to hear biblical truth. So I'm going to pray us out. We'll pray close it. Up. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We just praise you for the opportunity to to talk about Gideon, God, and the, the avenue that we, we can use in a podcast, God. Uh, we just uh, are so fortunate to have so many different ways to share your, your gospel. God, we just thank you for uh, the life of Gideon, what we can learn from that, God. 
Uh, we just pray that we would uh, take the lesson, uh, the, the narrative, the event of Gideon's life, and, and just apply the truths to our lives, God, so we can follow you, uh, God, and, and value the relationship that we have with you. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.